Hello everyone, welcome back to another podcast with Timmy and Will. Good morning, Tim. Morning, Will. How are you, buddy? We've Good. had a solid uh, start to our trip here to Melbourne, haven't we? And um, today's an exceptional day. On our last day, I've got a flight booked for 7 o'clock to get back home, but mate, pumped to how we're finishing the trip off. We've yeah. got an incredible guest, so we do. I'll uh, let um, you intro him in and we'll get stuck into the conversation. 100%. So we've been you know, lucky enough to have this gentleman sit with us today. Um, it's an incredibly inspiring journey that he's been on himself. And yeah, I can't wait to dive deep into everything about life and his inspirations and, and the way he goes about life in general. Um, so I try to sit back and think about this, this man in a sense from an external factor. I don't know him from a bar of soap uh, yet, but the words that come to mind was like humble, genuine and tough. Yep. I think that's the way he particularly plays his football. Um, and I think it's the way he goes about his life as well. And it, it's incredibly inspiring. Um, so he also has a mission to make this world a better place. He grew up in Reservoir, which is in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. Uh, pretty sure he played his junior football at West Preston. I did. Yeah. Both Reservoir and West Preston. There you go. Don't give your voice oh, away sorry. yet, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but he did. Um, he is an elite AFL uh, footballer at the Richmond Football Club. He was drafted in 2008. Um, in his time, he has just knocked over the 300 games. Um, he is a triple premiership captain. He is a three-time club best and fairest. He is also the 2012 uh, Brownlow medalist. He owns a sock company called Posy Socks, which I'm really excited to get uh, more deeper into the, the whole story behind that and where that has come from. Uh, he's more importantly a father of three incredible children and a, and a devoted husband. Um, we're very excited to introduce this tigerific man. Mr. Trent Cotchen, welcome to our podcast. Thanks, boys. Really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, mate. Look, obviously, you know, Will. Yeah, mate. What um, are you? Just thinking of the words you said there around external looking in. To just back that up, like we're sitting here on a Saturday. It's Trent's bye weekend. Humble enough to say this is actually his Tuesday. He's got a short week playing a game later on the week. But just yeah. goes to show taking his time out to have a chat to a couple of blokes, having a crack. It's uh, just a testament to to the man he is. So yeah. looking forward to having this conversation, Trent. Thanks for joining. No, as I said, it, it's uh, it's my pleasure to be here. And I think, you know, from the very top, I appreciate what you guys are doing for the world. It's it's obviously an opportunity for people to hear different stories about the journey that many different individuals have been on. Um, and I think that's the beauty of, of human beings. We all have a story. They're all very different, but we can take different parts from each other's and apply them in our lives and, and hopefully... Um, our listeners can yeah. can take one or two things away from today. Yeah, absolutely. And we sort of touched on, you know, you know who you're surrounding yourself with and the conversations you have uh, ultimately determines, you know, your life and the things that you, you get out of your life. So, you know, again, we're incredibly humbled to have you on board today and we really want to dive into those, like, those mindsets around, you know, you as a player, but also how that translates to your life. And you know, there's been a few things that Will and I both learned across our journey that's got us to this position. Um, and, and I'm hoping to see some res resonation there too, so. Yeah, but mate, I don't know if you've listened to a couple, but uh, we always like to start off with a bit of a background on, on where our guests have come from. So do you mind telling us what it was like growing up in the Cochin household when you were a young tacker? Was it all footy or was it? Yeah, it's a good question, I suppose. <clears throat> um, 
Mum and Dad both loved the game. Uh, Mum was Carlton supporter, Dad Collingwood, but probably just loved the game more than actually a team. Um, my old man hated crowds, so I never really went to the footy with him. Um, but every afternoon he'd be out the front having a kick with me. Uh, I had two sisters, one older, one younger. Well, I have two sisters. Um, pretty humble upbringing. Um, obviously very lucky, particularly with uh, how the world is today. Parents are both still together. Um, uh, most of my family was sort of within a pretty close proximity. And then um, we... We actually got robbed a couple of times in Reservoir, pretty rough and ready Reservoir, and, and Mum and Dad decided that it was time to make a just a lifestyle change. So we moved about 30 minutes north of where we were uh, to a farm where the Cochin family owned quite a fair bit of property uh, up in Wallert, which is now not really farmland. It's turning into estates and so forth. But yes, that was about when I was 10 or 11, which for me was probably the greatest move. Um, I'm one of those kids that would be a pain in the ass to be inside with uh, all day, and I've got three of them now myself so probably learning learning about that um yeah. <laughs> but being on a farm was the best thing it was effectively like you had your own piece of canvas every single day and you could create whatever it was that you wanted whether it was goalposts in the paddock or yeah. chasing sheep or cows or riding a motorbike and to be honest with you most weekends i spent listening to the footy on the radio working with dad in the paddocks freaking moving rocks well, it's known for its rocks. There's plenty of them. Um, That's why he's so tough. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Maybe hunched over. That yeah. might be the reason. Dad reckons he lost about 10 centimetres of growth when we moved to the farm. But, um, yeah, so very lucky. Had a had a great upbringing. Didn't live yeah. a lavish life, but also um, incredibly grateful for the opportunities they had. We holidayed in Achuca Moana, which is where mum and dad reside now, and my younger sister as well, um, on the river, on the Murray River. Great spot. Um, so, yeah, have have been very fortunate and lucky, but I wouldn't say I had an overwhelmingly, yeah, um, yeah. Well, I don't know what the word is, but it wasn't like we travelled overseas every yeah. every year or anything like that. Most of yeah. our trips were based around my footy trips. So yeah, it's yeah. funny. Hey, like um, I always feel the country kind of kids are not taking anything away from city kids. Like it's all everyone's having a crack, but they're just to be brought up in that environment where you can just be running around like I said the blank canvas got no, the goalposts up there's something about that we're definitely built different I'm probably biased boys, so. <laughs> but, 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 absolutely um, there's something to that I think it's the fresh air it's like I say it's the I'm sure you learn a lot as well working with your old man out in the farm it's, yeah I think the frustration you see with particularly you know younger kids that are probably metro based uh, coming into footy teams is just like the lack of life skills they can have yeah. now some are very lucky and, and been fortunate enough to, to go through that journey but they're the things that I think are really important to take you forward in life, like just to think outside the box in a situation. And it might not be relative to exactly what you did as a kid growing up, but it gave you those skills yeah. to work through them. 100%. So how about like at school, Trent? Like what were you like as a student? And, and like, like, you know, everyone's like, oh, I want to be a policeman or a firearm. Like what did you aspire to be when you were younger? Yeah, I, I probably always aspired to... My dream was always to play AFL. I started when I was four and a half in Joel under nines. Followed the cats yeah. uh, and now despise them. No, I don't. I, I actually respect them, but I, I hate them in a really <laughs> weird way. Gram, <laughs> it, was, it was very sweet. <laughs> Seeing them win at last year wasn't so sweet. Yeah. But I was actually, you know, rap for Sal, who I uh, have obviously admired yeah. from, mm -hmm. from afar for a long period of time. Um, and we've had some great battles on field. But um, yeah, school, I would say I was an average student. I, I always tried relatively hard. Um, I think when you reflect on it, you always think you can probably have given it a little bit more of a crack. Uh, I was lucky I went from um, 
what I'd call a private school, but not one of the, the higher end sort of private schools to getting a scholarship to go to PEGS um, for year 11 and 12. And from a schooling point of view, it was the best move I could have made. And then uh, also footy wise, uh, we had the great Ken Fletcher as our coach, uh, Dustin's old man, who'd been there for about 476 years, I think. Um, <laughs> but we had a really good team. Um, so there was like the combination of enjoying my footy and at times it was, it was kind of, I hate smashing teams, and we just always beat teams really comfortably in my senior you, year. Do you lose interest when it? Yeah. Yeah. Even now, yeah. Um, like AFL games, I prefer it to be a close one Challenge. every week. Yeah. My wife and and <laughs> friends who follow the Tigers probably would prefer us to blow teams out of the water, but yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a, yeah. It's not why I play the game to to blow teams out of the water. So. Yeah. That. What I was going to ask as well. So obviously. You're a humble bloke, but let's be real. You're elite in what you're doing here in the AFL. You're 300 game multi premiership player, but always like to dig deep on the early days. And was there a secret there that really kind of set you up for success? We've already touched on a couple, but what was your discipline like as a young fella? Like you've decided from an early age that you wanted to be a footy player. Was there like the early mornings, or was it just extra training, or what was it like when? I'm probably just more talking to parents potentially listening yeah. in and guiding their son or daughter through their younger life. Like what does it take as a young fella to be in that discipline space, discipline space yeah. to set yourself up? Yeah, I was I was never forced or pressured into doing anything I didn't want to by my parents. Um, but like I was really strict on bedtimes, even as I got a little bit older and around the 14, 15 year old mark. Um, parties were really big at PEGS when I went there. And it was just something that I've never really engaged in really. I reckon yeah. I went to a couple in my first year. It's not my comfort zone. It rattled me a bit, but um, are you socially awkward? <laughs> <laughs> I'm awkward, full stop. <laughs> but I celebrate that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, from a discipline point of view, I think I was always self-driven. That was probably one of my my strengths. Um, I was tiny all the way until I was probably 14. I didn't grow. Yeah. So, so many people had already written me off. Like as much as I had talent as a junior. Um, they always would say that I was just too small, small. I probably wouldn't make it, but you'll make a, a brilliant local level player because you win the footy and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was only talking about this the other day. Upon reflection, I went to uh, a leader sports star of the year award and David Roden was there as like the senior qualifier or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he had just been or about to be drafted to Richmond. And it was almost like as much as... D-Rod wouldn't necessarily go, I had the most amazing career as a player and he was obviously challenged by injury with a couple of knees and so forth. But being how small he was and seeing him up and mm. close in person as a 11, 12-year-old gave me hope. Yeah, And that's kind of all I needed. And then, you know, I, I think I grew probably six or seven inches in my under-14s year. So sort of went from this tiny little pocket dynamo that used to call me to someone who was nearly at a height that was... Respectable, Respectable. <laughs> a frame, I could imagine. Yeah, I was always pretty thick. Um, uh, yeah, and and heavy. I don't necessarily look heavy, but yeah, yeah. Just good density. Yeah, and mate, you drafted was it 2007 or 2008? End of 2007. End of 2007, 2008 season. So let's just kick into that and that career part of your life. So obviously, getting drafted is exciting, um, but coming into Richmond Football Club, they weren't having a successful time. So can you? And but then. Over that journey, I think you would become captain at 22 years old, 2013, around there, 2012. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then you play finals the next year. Can you talk us through a bit of how that journey looked like? And then from a leadership perspective, what were some gaps 
that kind of, as you reflect, that you really built on as you guys come into the club, that 2007 era, to set yourselves up to then becoming a real elite team coming into the late 2017 plus? Yeah. Yeah, good. That's <laughs> you... a loaded question. All right, let's, <laughs> let's break that down. Yeah, right, I'll, I'll go the initial part. Yep. Um, yeah. So I was actually, I, I broke my foot in the finals of my TAC Cup year when, yeah. just before getting drafted. So first run back, my Achilles blew up, spent the next first three months of being at the footy club. All I wanted to do was prove my worth, being yeah. pick number two and so forth. Yeah. Couldn't do it. I was literally not far from where we are right now. Um, in the dungeon, we called it, which is currently actually our change room, but it's all yeah. been revamped right. over there. And it was a lonely place, and that's, I spent the first three months, couldn't couldn't really do anything other than swim and do medicine ball circuits. So I think I got up to about 89 kilos in my first year. Big, thick neck on myself. Yeah. Um, managed to play and play 15-odd games from my debut round, and then the next off-season just, like, trained my ass off. Yeah. Wanted to make sure that, you know, it was... A good kickstarter for the next part uh, and the opposite side exactly the same injury blew up so i sort of had the first two pre-seasons i didn't really do a pre-season but it taught me so much about management of body knowing and understanding my body at a more intimate level um, which i think has held me in good stead yeah. in the latter stages of my career um, but yeah well, from probably a, said it slowly cut you off Trent but that's probably helped you get to the 300 plus games and still be so healthy and ready to go for it probably yeah pick and choose so <laughs> makes, nah. no you're right and like even to the point where to this day i have my own masseuse that comes to my house every week gives me a two-hour massage um like i don't know how many of other guys like they get other massage but not as particular as as my guy his name's shuggy he's he's a madman he's got a ponytail and Shout out shuggy. rips yeah. <laughs> rips me to shreds but um yeah i think from a leadership point of view and what the club was like um yeah, it's it's so funny. Like to think about membership numbers. I think we had thirty five thousand to forty thousand when I first got drafted. Now we sit sort of around or above a hundred every mm. year. Um, Just in that too, Trent. Who who did you draw close to at your first steps into this football club? Like who who was that mentor or someone that you really warmed up to and could see the difficulties and adversities you were facing and the pressure from being a number two draft pick. Like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I was lucky. I moved in with Kane Johnson, who was captain yeah. at the time, which was, you know, almost the perfect way to be introduced to AFL footy. Um, and yeah. Sugar was the ultimate professional. He had, he had a mishap. Uh, I think it was in my first year where he uh, had had a night on the town, and we lived right next to the St Kilda Road Police Station, which is like HQ for Melbourne, I think. <laughs> and he couldn't be bothered going upstairs to do a wee so he weed on the side building. And um, that was a big hoo-ha, but it was a great lesson for me given I was living with him to understand just the impact that one small action that yeah. most people have probably done on, on their way home on a Saturday mm-hmm. night um, could have as an AFL player and a role model and so forth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, I was very lucky. I had Sugar and then Shane Edwards moved in with us as well. So there was the three of us all living together. Um, yeah, and that, that was probably my, my group was um, initially Shedder, Jack, Dan Connors and... And then Rancy as part of my draft as well. But um, when I bought my first place, it was around the corner from where Rancy was living with his parents. So we sort of shared a car ride in every morning. Um, yeah, and, and built a, a really strong relationship where we were on the journey together. And, and that was um, amazing. And he, like both very different, probably he was more gifted from an athletic point of view. I was probably more gifted at early stages with regards to just talent and, mm-hmm. and being able to play the game. Um, 
but both kind of just worked hard and were real obsessive about where we wanted to get to and, and kind of knew what was required to, to be, mm. you know, effectively elite players. And on that too is like you come into any organisation, you know, you see the Sydney Swans, West Coast Eagles and these kinds of places, they have success, like there's a, you can see a trend and, and I'm a Western Bulldogs supporter, uh, I don't follow it too closely anymore, but you know, to break some droughts, it's very difficult to change that mindset. So, like, mm. Will mentioned about the leadership and, and you know, Kane, John, Kane being in that position that he was. Like, uh, it was interesting to see. I've, I've listened to a few of your things and interviews and you mentioned about speaking with Jack Rewa and it's like, are we ever going to see success at this club? And, you know, you took it upon yourself, I think, in, like, that moment to, well, you've ticked your box to play AFL as a kid, but it's not about that. It's, like... Team and winning the ultimate prize. Yeah, which yeah. Is a team premiership. And telling more of that story. So it was yeah. end of 2016. We three final series leading into 2016. Thought the natural progression was just to finish top four, maybe give ourselves a chance. Um, all hell breaks loose. Uh, I know we fast forwarded a little bit here, but um, yeah. finish 13th, get beaten by Sydney up there by 110 or 15 points or something like that. I was the worst captain in the AFL. Dimmer was the worst coach. Board coup. Um, so people trying to over, overthrow our board. And that's where, like, for me, leadership's really easy when things are going well. Mm. Um, but when, it, when it's challenging, it, it, you've got to show this grit and this resolve and, mm. and stick true to what your values are. And that's probably... I always knew who I was and what I stood for, but um, it was the most I'd ever doubted myself. And I, I didn't, honestly didn't even know if I wanted to play footy anymore. But that catch-up with Jack um, was at a local cafe near where I live, uh, in the off season, and we just spoke about it's effectively the move from I to we, and we spoke about Daniel Rioli specifically. It was his, he was going into his second year, and we just said, how do we provide someone like Daniel and the other boys around his age the best opportunity to succeed? Like realistically, what have we got? Maybe three or four years left at the time. Um, we're probably not going to taste success, but how can we give them the best opportunity to do something that we probably never will? Yeah. It's amazing to think now reflecting on it <laughs> yeah. that, that conversation even happened um but it was it was the shift from Ida Wee that was so important in the way that we showed up and yeah. you know I think about the forward line in 2017 and how young they were but the leadership role that Jack played within that um yeah what did it feel like yeah I'm, there was... I'm a big like emotional intelligence kind of and when a football club you can feel like yeah. when it's success is coming you know my time at North Ballarat I know it's Nothing compared to the AFL, but we won three premierships in a row as well. And there's just a feeling around the club, like you never, you never did anything half. You would always give it 110, yeah. but there was almost like that. It's I don't know how to describe. It's it. a belief, yeah. And there's a connection to it as well. Mm. And I think that comes on the back of, I, I like to reference the T theory, which is trust, empowerment, and alignment. Um, and that, that goes all the way through your club. So you, you've obviously got your players and your coaches, but then there's administration, there's board, there's CEO. Mm. And if they aren't on the same page and allowing people to actually blossom within their role and have uh, an impact on it, and that can, that can be our youngest player on the list. And, and little things that we implemented was them controlling the music in the gym, but that was yeah. their little thing that they were in control of. It was their baby. Some of the music they played was terrible and shit, but... <laughs> It was it was it was giving them ownership of something and a part yeah. of the club and 
you know, it was no one thing and it wasn't like that conversation with Jack shifted the whole dynamic of the footy club, but we all just went on this journey where we started to embrace what people could do rather than what they can't. And yeah. I think in football world, probably in business as well, like we're so caught up on focusing on the negative and, and what people aren't quite capable of doing mm. instead of just focusing and blowing up what they're actually really good. Um, and the way we like to paint the picture was effectively if our team is an oil painting, mm. but we cut it up like a puzzle, mm. every single shape and piece of that puzzle is different but when they come together, they create this beautiful picture. And that was kind of how we celebrated each individual within yeah. our organisation. That's awesome. Wow, yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. Can we keep on the track of the young players? And I guess the reason why I want to do that is it's all around, I guess, a big part of the success is the culture and maintaining culture and getting people under the right fit, all those types of things. As a leadership group, what do you guys do with the young players coming on and really set themselves up for, like, if we're, this is Richmond Football Club, this is what we're about, and then how do you, is there accountability or can you talk me through what it's like? Yeah, I, I think the best way for, to explain what our expectations are of a new person coming into our footy club is that we have relatively big paddocks but really strong fences. So there's expectations in what you do as a Richmond man. Yeah. Um, and if you step outside of them, then obviously there'll be not necessarily punishments, but there'll be um, consequences. consequences. Yeah. Um, and like you don't even need to necessarily have the punishments when you have a strong culture because people already know that they've stepped outside of them and that is a shit enough feeling yeah. than anything anyway. And the reality is when you've got 40 odd different personalities in a football environment, there's gonna be times where those boundaries are tested. But I think what we, what I'm most proud of of, mm. of our organisation is that people can come into our environment and genuinely be themselves. Yeah. They don't feel like they have to be a certain personality. Like I, I remember, and it's no disrespect to how the club was when I first got to the footy club, but you would go down to Swan Street, walk into a cafe, and if there was a group of senior players there, and maybe it was just the story I was telling myself, but that's got to be something to do with yeah. what the environment is doing. I would already think that they were talking about me in a negative way or whatever it was. Wow. And maybe I was just insecure and should grow up and toughen up a bit. But I would like to think that most of our boys now, whether it's their first year or fifth year, um, walking into that situation, well, they probably would have, wouldn't ever feel that way. That's well, so I'd like great, to think mate. so anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I'd be disappointed if it was the case. Yeah, well, it sounds like it's polar opposite to now versus back then when you were feeling that way. And there's something to that, hey, like, different world altogether, but in my sales world, bringing new consultants on, the biggest trap of how they fail is they stop being themselves. Like you have an interview with someone and they're great, they tick them on the boxes, you can have a conversation with them, but then they go and get in front of someone and they're trying to be someone they're not. Yeah. And people just pick up on that authenticity and they stop <coughs> reaching their full potential. That'd be the exact same in sport in yeah. your world. It's you're feeling, or I'm sure there are other young players feeling like they couldn't be themselves. But then that would then go out onto the field and as yeah. a team, the gel as well, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming. So that's a great point. Yeah. It's almost right. like that environment. Sorry, Trent. It's yeah. just like that environment, isn't it? You're harnessing uh, a place that you can be vulnerable and be yourself, but be supported in that too. Um, I know that, that you had the Triple H sessions as well. At yeah. some, that was a real turning point for your yeah. club. And, and I did hear like um, Damien Hardwick mentioned about um, Brandon Ellis not. Uh, knowing about his living circumstances and you just start to think you know you think you know someone and you see him every day but until you have those 
emotional chats, you don't. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I think as a leader, there's you need to encourage those. Yeah. Do, and I think yeah. by creating, like, that's a daunting task for anyone to do, whether you've been at the footy club for 10 years or it is your first year. And I think the power in it was just the confidence that someone like Brando had and mm-hmm. be willing to share. You know, he, he spoke about um, the fact that he grew up in, in the commission area yeah. and that he would walk home a different way from his school just so that his mates didn't know that that was where he lived. And I was one of probably two that knew that story mm. um, only because we shared a relationship and had spent a fair bit of time together. But like to be at a club for six or seven years and not many people know that about you is kind of like, geez, do we really care about people? Yeah. Um, and then the conversations that spiral from those how, moments. How did his attitude change as well when he like released that? Yeah, he just he just felt like he could genuinely be himself. And and Brando's always been pretty a pretty honest and yeah. you know he, he calls a spade a spade. Uh, that's just the yeah. way he is. But um, yeah, like I, I remember filming his because he asked me to. Um, I was sitting in the front row and I think we we're up at the Gold Coast actually on our camp or Sunshine Coast. And he he wanted me to send it to his girlfriend at the time, but. Just, yeah, I don't know. It just released this amazing emotional energy that brought yeah, people even closer, closer together. That connection, yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. percent. And I think you know, back in the day when I was in the VFL, I was also part of the leadership group at North Ballarat, and we had very similar culture. As you know, um, Dan Fury pulled up Corey Jones, so like a North Melbourne elitist of elite, and said, "You didn't run around the goalposts, and we'd already gone another half of the oval." And he said, you're coming with me. He's like 18, 19 at the time. Brings him back around and like that's just, you should be able to have that confidence that that's what the group's going to do. Yeah. And like then you just, everything just comes. So there's just this deep-rooted respect and you can't buy it. Like it's yeah. it's those things, you know. And, and I wanted to extend this into, I think, the Resilience Project. Mm. Uh, Hugh Van Koyenberg, yeah. was it? He came to... Yeah, he's presented a couple of times. Yeah, too. yeah. Um, and like Dusty grabbed like all the books or something. Didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he's still got them. <laughs> yeah, I, it's amazing. Like even Dusty's journey in itself is kind of you. You look at this guy who has achieved everything you possibly can in the game. Is mm. um, a freak. Looks like he couldn't give two shits about a lot of things, but is hugely connected to the whole spiritual side of yeah. the world and and people and and genuinely cares. Um, about how people are going and you two are very close yeah yeah um and and that was just you know part of him exploring a little bit more around the gratitude and and empathy and mindfulness which is the gym model that the resilience project use um it's it's yeah and they're the little things that are just subtle moments where again it just creates that further conversation and then ideas that come from you know that I think Hugh came in a couple of times previous to us having any success. I think it was, it might have been 2012 and 14. So you can't tie our success back to any specific moment, but it's all these little building blocks that have had an impact um, along the journey. 2012. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't do too bad. Yeah, yeah, the old token Brownlow. Pick up a few umpires off the ground. Yeah, you've got to help them out. (laughs) Keep them happy. Now just um, spray them. No, it's great, mate, that like you've seen that that shift in, in, you know, the Richmond of old as well. Like, and it's just to step up as cap, captain as well, you know, there's a lot of pressure on you as well as the organisation at the top and, and for them to give you that, th- those reins. 
I want to talk about confidence and like where you get that from because like personally you know in business and whatever you do in life if you go in something with confidence you usually come out the other side pretty good so like how, how do you get your confidence got yeah um I suppose for me p- part of the journey for me was really understanding who I was and what I valued um and I think that's just really held me in good stead for every decision I've made since since going on that journey, probably end of 2016 with uh, Ben Crow, who has just, um, you know, he probably saved my footy career and potentially my life given uh, where I was at the end of 2016. But just having a real clear purpose in life and then also the values that help support that um, allows you to make decisions with such ease. And that'll always be challenged and there'll be moments uh, where they're low points and you'll start to question some of that. But it just gives you a solid base to come back to every time. Um, one of my favourite sayings is from your darkest time come your greatest growth or your greatest lessons. And mm. no truer words have ever been spoken to me with regards to not just footy journey, but uh, life in general. Um, and, and part of you know the, the sales role and seeing people come in and interview and be exceptional, they're very authentic. And then once they get the role, they start to change and tr- think that they have to be something that they're not necessarily... Th- that was me as a captain. I thought... I suffered from the perfection myth, um, as we like to document it. Um, yeah. And that, that stems from an upbringing of wanting to always make my dad proud, probably, first mm. and foremost. Um, but when I realised that it's okay to strive for perfection, but realising that it actually doesn't exist, that was a really key moment for me to sort of take off the mask and understand who I was and that I didn't necessarily need to be the best part of Joel Selwood and Matthew Pavlich and... Rob Murphy and Luke Hodge, um, all these leaders of footy teams that had been successful that I admired, I just needed to be the best version of Trent Cotchen um, because you get to that position for a reason and and part of that might be the fact that you can impact games and, um, you know, have a role to play with regards to leading by example. But I think what I'm most proud of in my leadership journey is that most of mine has come from just building relationships, having empathy and understanding and trying to yeah. help people find better versions of themselves more so than being better footballers. That's great, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it is because it's a team game as well. So when you can get to that level, um, we used to call it past the grunt stage. Yeah. Like you, you really can develop those relationships. And when you know that person's got your back, not just on the field, but in life as well, it's like, what can't you achieve, you know? And yeah. I think that... To see the success, particularly from 2017 to, to 2020, that's a direct reflection of what happened back then to get to that point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, th- those feelings I can only imagine were incredible once, almost surreal, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you know, as good as the premierships have been, like for me, the conversations you have, even say it's a premiership reunion or, you know, stretching. Like we speak about the hub more than we speak about winning the flag in the hub. Yeah. Just because it's it's all the experiences along the way. Like, um, great people setting amazing examples with regards to just you know gratitude and giving people a gift. Like um, something we're big on with Posse Socks is positivity. Like yeah. that feeling you get, that positive feeling you get from giving to someone else. And uh, Nathan Broad and Kane Lambert effectively started their own fishing charter. It was one of the only things we could do when we were living in the hub in twenty twenty. But they would just invite guys. So, for example, Shaxter, our physio, literally would work from pretty much the moment he gets up to the moment he goes to bed because what else is he going to do? And everyone's just sort of mingling around. They're like, oh, I'll get some treatment on my back. Why wouldn't I? 
So they would take guys like that off for fishing for a few hours in the afternoon. Now he'd left his family back in Melbourne, but it was his his little escape. But it was their way of giving someone a gift. And you know, it seems small, but the way that that impacted, like people were lining up hoping to get an invite to this fishing charter <laughs> every week, um, and they'd go to different spots. And sometimes they'd catch lots of fish, and other times they wouldn't catch a thing. But positivity that's a good word yeah that's a good one a lot of companies and teams should really take something like that on yeah we're happy to support them on the journey yeah get them to reach out just a shout out to Bobby Socks there we're going to throw a fair few of that out but um I think the the other thing I wanted to touch on with all that is um like seeing the difference that when you put like other people first it just like trans transcribed everything to a new level um and and i know you know you spoke now about your confidence in yourself and how that developed over time but it's like when you looked outwardly inwardly grew as well yeah and i think as a father as well and you know you spoke about your upbringing you can now sort of and there's no rule book on having kids i'm sure but now you see like your children how you want them to be perceived and you're the ultimate role model not only for the footy club but for your kids yeah, and I think people would say that, but don't worry, there's plenty of times where I sit there and I go, geez, I was a shit dad today. Like, that was just, that was not what I think is good parenting. But at the end of the day, I'm human just like you yeah. are and every other dad and mum. Yeah. Look, I think being a mum is the hardest job in the world. And I'll, like, it, yeah. first you have to you have to give birth mm. to your child, which like, there's no chance I could ever do it, couldn't yeah. go through it. Yeah. But then the commitment you make for the next chunk of your life mm. as a mum particularly and a dad um, is, is so sacrificial and yeah. seeing the way that they grow every single day yeah. kids like they are the, the, they bring the most joy but they can challenge you more than anything in the world mm. um, but yeah I, I'm just trying to do my best and, yeah. and that's and that's all you from, can actually do you come home from footy train oh just oh and then your wife books for you like mate hard yeah, enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't complain to me yeah, you got absolutely. to escape for 10 hours yeah. today <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and how have you found like your home environment's very important we do talk a lot about this on our podcast about energy and environment and I think Brooke's your rock yeah and your kids are your rock too and like you would draw so much positive positivity out of your family um like for our listeners as well, how important is that for you? Yeah, I, one, they yeah. provide an amazing balance for me. Um, you know, I, I think when Brooke and I first got married and Harper was on the way, like one thing that I promised whilst I was captain that I wouldn't bring work home. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure I can say that I did it all that well, but in most cases, I think I think we've managed to do that. Um, but as you said, like with, I have no doubt that without having Brooke by my side through the most challenging times, but also the most rewarding times, they probably wouldn't have happened for me. Like yeah. she's incredibly honest, but the most in- incredible with regards to support and so forth. And um, I, I honestly don't think you can do it alone. And whether that's your wife or just a best mate, like uh, another saying that I love is a problem shared is a problem hard. Yeah. Like we all have fucking problems. Life is hard. Yeah. Um, Sorry about swearing, but it's all good. But if you can share that with people, you'll understand that either they've been through something similar or that they just have your back. But by sharing it, instantly you feel as though, oh, maybe I am a little bit overwhelmed 
for a little bit less of a reason than I need to be. That yeah. vulnerability to like allow that to show. Yeah, and yeah. particularly as males, like yeah, yeah. I know at my worst, I don't want to impact anyone else's life with my shit. But yeah. if I don't, you, have to. you end up in a bad place. Yeah. Oh, no. hey. And it's just, we're chatting to Dan Kirby about this yesterday around how important it is to pick the role. It's not, it's, you come together with energy, I think. You're kind of compatible in your own way, but how obvious it is if you get the wrong partner or you see someone that gets the wrong partner and how negative that can of an impact that can have yeah. on their life because like you said a problem halved is a problem shared mm, yeah. if you don't have that ability or that that safe space or that rock it can be very difficult so it's good that that's a great point yeah because like life throws these curveballs at you and if you don't have someone that's got your back like you know you can really struggle yeah. and it goes through your whole life and you know this is a great like lead into the next question I want to ask you, Trent, is like, there's life beyond footy. You mm. know that. Like, we're sitting here, we're, we're washed, you know, 34, 33 <laughs> yourself, and you know, we're still a young rooster, but it's like, you do realise <laughs> you, your career in sport has only got a certain valid, validity. And then past that, what are you doing? And, you know, it, I'm excited, like, by what you're going to do because like I fit that's why I have my not-for-profit um, moon drain for helping sick kids in the hospital with neurological conditions because it makes me feel like money can't buy that yeah and, and you know through posi socks now I know you're doing a lot of school visits and what lights you up mate like what's your passion it's a great question yeah. like I would encourage everyone to go on a journey of really understanding what their purpose is in life mm. and what lights me up is the perfect question to start like if you're sitting at a cafe just write down a whole heap of things that really light you up um yeah. it's, a, it's a great place to start but for me so establishing my purpose was was a really important part of my own journey and and that is to help others realize but then i, I put the accountability part in and realize and fulfill their potential um and for me like whether that's my kids or a teammate or you know meeting people through the posi socks journey um it's very much just about one making the world a better place but providing people with the opportunity that you know maybe it took me a while to get but if we can give that to them then that's that's a pretty good gift to give yeah and this is like the, this is you know we really want to spread that message through this podcast as well is because you know aside your sporting career like you're still an elite human being under the core of it all and you're going to change the world because yeah Life is way too short, and you've probably seen your kids grow so yeah, quickly. So quick. Three hundred games have come like that from when you were seventeen in your first game, and you start to realise like what legacy and like what, what impact am I going to leave in life? And and you know being in the position you are, you have a great advantage to to share that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that the posi socks part is is a big part of the journey and and doing our posi schools program and yeah. like the whole lot the thing is you sit down and you have a million ideas come to life <laughs> and only a so amount amount of time that's so much so little amount of time to actually execute on them um but you know there's posi business there's posi community um building relationships with like-minded brands or brands that want to do a little bit more around social good um you know yeah. for every order we we donate a pair to the homeless so contributing back in that light as well oh, um, but outside of that, um, I have other interests that still connect back to my purpose. So one of them uh, is called Core Plus Studios, and, and that is um, reformer Matt Pilates, but also yoga, but 
for me, it, it's around building community um, where people, we want to be the best part of their day effectively. Like whether it's to start the day and you do a heated yoga session or a heated mat Pilates and you walk out feeling energised and ready to attack the day yeah. or it's the last part of the day for you to wind down and that for me is, is creating an environment where people genuinely can grow um, or meet new people or lean into a new part of a fitness journey. Like, yeah. um, you know, So many people are scared to start that because they've let it go for the last five or ten years, but seeing them grab a hold of it and then end up doing five classes a week, like that's really special to see. Yeah. Um, and it's very much connected back to my purpose because helping others yeah. realise their potential. It may look a different way. Um, yeah, and then other things that I'm interested in. And, and I think the thing that I'm promising myself when it does come to the end is that I want to remain really curious and not lock myself into anything at, at the expense of being fearful of you know, paying a home loan off or um, mm -hmm. yeah, just being worried about probably the financial part of life. I really want to connect to, to what I'm passionate about and, yeah. and, and giving back to the world in some way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just even, you know, posi socks themselves. Like, you know, I've bought a few pairs now. I've got some on... Yeah. So we need to explain what posi socks is for everyone. <laughs> yeah. We're all wearing yeah, so today. essentially like the motto, what, win the morning, win the day. Yeah, so posi socks, the, the whole idea came from kind of my... I, I wanted to give people my journey yeah. in a really simple format. And, and one of the things I love doing is journaling, but I know that it's really hard to remember to do every single morning when yeah. your kids jump <laughs> so so for me it was like oh, what's one of the first things that you do after you have a shower in the morning uh, that can help be that trigger or the anchor that allows you to start your day on the right foot pardon the pun um and, and i came across this instagram post where it was like on the bottom of the feet someone was laying on their bed it just said more wine please i was like you could do something on the top of the foot as you're putting them on you're reading a quote it's either a call to action where it's around showing appreciation to someone or doing something kind or a positive affirmation that allows you just to sort of reflect and go yep that's that's how i really want to start my day so that's that's the idea and the mentality behind having quotes on the feet and then the contribution back to to community um and we'll look to grow that in in many different ways but uh, donating back to the homeless it's the number one requested item uh, with jocks as well um in homeless shelters so and you can't actually give homeless people secondhand socks it's yeah. just um yeah. i don't know obviously what hygiene wouldn't be very good but Aussie jocks like what sort of quotes yeah, you could have yeah well you can go down the fun <laughs> path where it's like it's not the size that matters it's how you use it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just for like just for everyone as well like i put the posi socks on first time this morning and because yeah. i know not everyone like jumps at that opportunity like believing in like positive affirmations and all those things but i do and Timmy does, and obviously you do, Trent, but for me, like, I was whacking these on this morning, and first thing I read is, keep yep. moving forward, and you'll never have a reason to look back, and goals energise your life. And for me, like, when I whacked those on, it just made me pumped for the day. Yeah. So, I think... Well, that's, that's the other thing, is, like, your feet ground you to yeah. the earth as well, and it's something you put your feet on the ground when you get out of bed, and mm. when you're putting your shoes and socks on, everyone has to do it, and if you... Putting, giving value to people in that way, yeah. mate, you're a, you are onto something. <laughs> that's smart, yeah. Oh, it's that little moment, hey, to just go, because yeah. you put your shoes on for the, and you set yourself up yeah. for the day, and it's. I thought it was just such a great idea. Yeah. So, so which one good. resonates the most with you? Like which oh, quote do you think? Which quote? Yeah. I, like, I think I think that's the beauty. It's like they'll, they'll resonate different at yeah. different moments in, yeah. in your week or your life. Yeah. True. Um, yeah. Good shout. 
Yeah, so there's there's plenty. Of the, one of the my favourite ones is probably the yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery, but today's a gift. So live here. That's great. That's why it's called the present. Um, yeah. And that's so relative. Like we can get so caught up on you know a mistake we made yesterday, or mm. that I was a shit dad in a moment yesterday. But in reality, if you continue to think about that, you're going to lose that moment right now. And if you're worrying about tomorrow, well, at the end of the day, sometimes tomorrow doesn't come. So don't even worry about it. I think, you know, I just want to add in there, like my clothing brand that I started seven years ago, it's called Brainless. And a lot of people look at it and go, like, you're like, you know, in the dictionary term, he's like, idiot or whatever. <laughs> but when I actually explain to them, being brainless is being present because you're not thinking, you're feeling. Yeah. And when you know, you play footy and you pick up a ground ball and kick a goal and you're like, how did I do that? It's because you're in the state of flow. Yeah. And same like, you know, through footy and motorbikes, especially for me is you can't be anywhere else but there, yeah. present. Yeah. And it's such a like a powerful place to be. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I think that that is a very similar um, way to do this is through putting your socks on yeah. every day. Yeah, absolutely. Mate, I love that. Well that's, done. I think that, you know, I was really pumped and just... I, I'm so intrigued personally by like what lights people up and mm. all the answers are when someone's doing something for someone else. Yeah. But a lot of people get brought up at school and all these like parents, it's like, no, you got to take, you got to get a great paying job. And it's like, but when you give, like I was always under the understanding that it comes back tenfold mm. anyway. So yeah. the money comes when you're putting, not that life's about money, but it's when you're putting your energy positively into something that, you're actually benefiting others. That's where the value comes. Yeah. I've got past. a question for you guys. Yeah, yeah, here we go. What does success look like to you? For me, what success looks like is fulfilling a life that makes you happy when you wake up and who you're sharing that with. So for me, I always do a bit of an audit. It's like, who are the people in my life? Am I in the right environment? If I am, like sitting here with Timmy, like three months ago, Trent, we kicked off this podcast and it was just off a conversation in the gym Love and, it. yeah mm. and it's like we should just do a podcast like we have some pretty good chat but yeah. there's some people that we could probably share some conversation with and it's just grown like now we're sitting in front of yourself and we had Dan Kirby yesterday yeah. and for me it's I get to sit back and reflect and go this is what success is to me like I'm getting to do something that I love sharing with people that are great people and yeah. I'm happy yeah and I think success your money money comes you know, like I think money comes and goes, I think. And if you're doing what you love and you're really good at it, I think there's, for me, there's always a part of it where you want to be extremely competent in what you're doing as well. Like yeah. I think success, you still need to be good at what you do. You can't just go through life not being competent. Yeah. So I think that's important. There always needs to be that part. And then success will come. Yeah. But to me, I know that's a long-winded answer. No, no. Uh, question. Yeah, that's, that's but to me, that's, that's what success is to me. It's, and I'm sure it's different for everyone. Absolutely. Mine's like... I guess, you know, I've always had the analogy of the, um, the diamond, you know, the, the diamond under pressure, a lump of coal over time becomes a diamond. I think it's about the journey for me. Yeah. Success is who you become in the process. Yeah. And once a diamond's formed, it's unbreakable. So it is the slogan, no pressure, no diamonds to my brand. And I think that's, that's what success is for me. And probably if I ever get a chance to fend off Dustin Martin, that would be success. Because <laughs> I was actually known for that back in the day. Okay. Oh, so we go to Dale. Boom. So he owes you for the don't argue. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nah. What's your definition of success, Scott? Yeah. yeah um, I think a little bit along that, like if you're not growing, you're dying or you're dead. Um, 
So always searching for ways to grow, whether that's through relationships, friendships, um, opportunities, mm -hmm. uh, and, and probably why I sit here today as well, like yeah. meeting you guys, mm -hmm. sharing a little bit of my story, but, but also learning about yours. Um, yeah, so for me, it's, it's like just keeping an open mind, being interested rather than interesting, um, and celebrating all the little things along the way. And that's something that I constantly have to come back to because I think you know, whether you talk to the most successful CEOs or entrepreneurs in the world or um, people who are just literally getting up to, to nail their paycheck every mm. single day, um, we probably don't reflect enough. And, yeah. and, and to be honest with you, it taught me such a great lesson going through my 300th last week because mm. yeah. I preach that so much to, to friends and, and people that I have relationships with through business. Um, but I realised I hadn't done it enough myself. And that's what, that was the gift for me with my 300th week. It was, I never wanted it to be about me, but it, it forced me to reflect with conversations, thinking time, photos, about lots of little things that have happened along my journey, not just in footy, but in life, um, and being really proud of that. Congratulations on that too, mate. Like, a massive milestone. But did you have a moment for yourself where you're like, you know, suck that week in a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I had to promise myself because I think in the past, and I know that like a 200 and a 250th is probably not quite as significant as a 300 for whatever reason, probably just that it's 50 more games. But um, <laughs> I'm one of those people that tries to shy away from it. And I actually spoke to, to Crowey, my mentor, uh, I think it was on the, must have been the Friday night before the game. And he just said, mate, <clears throat> it's so important for you to dedicate your game tomorrow to, to someone. Um, so I dedicated it to my, my family and my parents. Um, and, and that just shifts your, your focus from it being about you to, to then being about someone else but removes all ego, uh, which is really important, particularly in, in sporting environments. Like you need a little bit of ego to just have the belief and the confidence that you can fulfil your role. But, um, and then he, he also provided the advice of just you know, setting a couple of goals that were not individual orientated and, and more team, which I typically do going into games anyway, but um, just having that clarity going into the game really helped with having a clear focus and yeah. I think the footy gods looked after me a little bit started off did, the game alright <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone keeps telling me I wound back the clock I'm starting to be concerned that I obviously haven't performed very well for a little bit of time now so well it's all in your head <laughs> <laughs> you need to whack some posse socks on yeah. it's exactly right I actually did a gig with Dimmer uh, last awesome. night yeah. and um, he nearly opened the whole show with well, mate, I'd probably still be coaching if you were playing footy like you did last week earlier in the year. And I was just like, oh, okay, interesting. If you had played me in the midfield rather than on the half-forward flank, you probably would have a coach job too still. <laughs> it was good. It was friendly banter. And, yeah, really um, good. Had a bit of fun. Yeah. No, it's important to do that still. Hey, have a bit of fun. And I know you, you and Dimmer have a good relationship. So, mate, yeah. it's so important, hey. Yeah. Um, this has been phenomenal. We need to get to, like, the core of it now. So yeah. the five keys to success, Trent. I know, Four. I think I sent it through on it, but you should be able to reel off a few things in for sure. Yeah, the five keys to success for me. You need a, I, I touched on it, but purpose and values, they're probably the two things for me that mm. will, will always give you some form of true north effectively yeah. uh, that you're working towards. Um, I think you need to have a, a, a serious work ethic. Mm. You need to surround yourself with good people that genuinely care about you. That's four. Mm. And to be honest with you, like, life's too fucking serious. So I think you need to have fun and enjoy and celebrate all the moments, whether they're little, big or, or in between. 
and outside of footy, like what do you do to do like have fun? Yeah, oh, I think the the beauty of having kids is like, on ice. <laughs> I think you see it, you realize it when you are playing with your kids, like having that. You know, one of the words. So oh, we're going to go into a deeper yeah, part, but yeah. um, something that I do as part of my preparation every every game is. Um, I have five words that are effectively my attributes or focuses. So, jokey, aggressive, uh, aware, calm, and then strong and sharp, which mm. relates to my footy, but also relates to, to the state that I'm in, a little bit mm. about getting into that flow. And then I've got an anchor that allows me to get back into that. So, um, I have one deep breath, a bounce, and a smile. So, that's sort of me just lightening up rather than tightening up. Yeah. Um, but I, I see that in my life as well. So, those moments where you can get frustrated or angry with something that's like we have expectations of everyone in in the world but if we can replace that with the appreciation i think that's takes so much pressure off what what we're hoping for yeah. uh, and and even just to your kids like at the end of the day i've got an 8 6 and near 4 year old like my expectations of them are way too above where they should be for kids so i need to remind myself constantly but having fun with that uh, and taking the piss and, and being a big kid myself. Like we all need to find the childlike part of yeah. who we are. And I encourage people, if you're in a, a bit of a rough spot, go and do something that made you really happy as a kid. Um, it might be just literally making some jelly and yeah. fill up a bowl of ice cream and bit of fairy bread and jelly yeah. and, and tucking into it because the kids are the... it triggers those, those thoughts that you have uh, from your childhood. Moment, don't they? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That'll yeah. Tell you There's exactly nothing in between. Yep. No filters there. Yeah. yeah. No, that's so, the best piece of advice though. Yeah. It's like living in the moment. Children can teach you that. Yeah. We forget it as adults. Absolutely. And when you are present, you'll notice, well, I notice my kids appreciate it more than they even do mm. normally. So, um, yeah, pretty special. Well, in, in the name of appreciation, appreciate coming yeah. on, Koch. Appreciate you, Timmy. Yeah, You're mate. Champion. This has been a solid trip to Melbourne. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Koch. Like from the bottom of our heart, mate. Yep. You know, to open up like this and have this kind of conversation, we truly appreciate it, and and hope that like our listeners and people out there can get something from this just to take into their lives, and you know. Yep. Go along their journey to becoming a diamond, I suppose. No, pre- appreciate you guys uh, yeah. putting yourselves out there and, and creating an environment where people can share and yeah. and take a lot out of it. So. Yeah, just so listeners know as well, like, I've reached out to Koch on LinkedIn, like don't know each other from a bar of soap, but I just thought, you know, you've got to ask in life as well. And if you want to do great things in life, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. And, you know, your reception was like, mate, I'd love to chew the fat with you, you know, and then I just thought, well, it gives you the confidence to keep going, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, to give yourself credit, like Trent's time, he's elite at what he does. It's He's not going to give his time out to someone that's not running towards a purpose or is going to add value. So yeah. as much as Trent, absolute legend for giving his time on a Saturday and on bye week, but he wants to, like he said, he wants to you know, connect with people that are doing good things. Yeah. And that's just credit to you as well, mate, that, yeah. you know, you're reached out but Trent only wanted to reply back to you if he thought there was yeah. you know you're a good person and there was something there and, and having the courage and the we courage. spoke about Brandon Alice earlier one thing like I said he was pretty straight to the point he says if you don't know you don't ask 
and like I've seen him in first hand ask people what they earn like so cringy as hell sort of stuff <laughs> but he's like oh well, if you don't ask you don't know and I'm like mate to be honest with you yeah we've had different upbringings and and been on different journeys but he taught me as much in that moment that I've taught him with regards to you know setting a goal or yeah. living a better life absolutely it's yeah. just looking at life through a different lens absolutely yeah Fantastic okay. stuff. Yeah. Love it. Thanks, well, guys. Thanks appreciate so much it. for listening. And yeah, we appreciate you, Koch. Yeah. <laughs> See you guys. See you Thanks, guys. guys. See ya.